Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. We were bent over by Romelu Lukaku and spanked over and over again. Somebody needs to call, like, a childline helpline for Pablo Mari for bullying. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slaps, slaps, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Andres Santos Wasn't All That Bad podcast with Captain Hindsight and my very good friend. What do we learn from this? <laughs> yeah, that is your new phrase. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking, Brad, we we could analyse Forest Green 6, Crawley 3, which had a hat-trick from Nicky Cadden, um, and some informed League 2 pace-setters Forest Green saw off Crawley in a nine-goal thriller. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, we could we could go in-depth about uh, Marseille-Nice, where Gwen Doozy could smell the blood in the water from about a hundred yards away and sprinted over to fight some fans. But that man loves it. He loves, he loves a scrap. He loves I'm not a against, scrap. I'm not, I, don't, I don't hate it either. You know, did you have like a field at your school or a sort of like yeah. a, a place where everyone congregated and everyone yeah. went, fight! And you just knew where it was immediately. You know exactly oh, yeah. where it is. You just, yeah. you, you head to that corner of the field because you know it's going to be there. That's mm-hmm. that's Gwendozy, mate. He's got that radar. <laughs> Shame he doesn't have much uh, else of a Footballing radar. Ability, but... uh, hello, Bradley. How are you? Hello, my friend. How are you? It's an early one. It is an early one. It's a very early one. Um, welcome back to the Different Not Podcast. Yeah. We have to analyse football at some point. <laughs> we can't keep stalling doing the pre-show banter. Um, Arsenal, nil. Chelsea 2 at the Emirates Stadium. Uh, Romelu Lukaku's debut for Chelsea. Word of the game, please. And your overall feelings. I'd say apathetic. I think that mainly describes my feeling towards the current goings-on. Somebody described it very well on Twitter that I don't even, you know... I don't get as angry as I used to when we concede because I know it's coming. I can yep. like, I don't <laughs> now sit like, there in silence every time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, my feelings towards the actual game are, we were set up so wrong. I don't know how we can go from beating them by matching them up three times in a row to believing that we're smart to Go to this four two three one. Um, can I just can I just jump? I'm sorry to jump in there. I think that is a slight misnomer because we did play four at the back in the game that we beat them in last year. I think the difference is is when you have a player like Lukaku, we got um, um, well. Let's just get into it now. We got stretched. I think the problem is, is, is we, and, and actually we worked it out fairly soon, but you, we were fairly compact. But the second Lukaku pins the centre backs, Reese James high and wide, Alonso high and wide, the, the defence, basically the, the screen, you know, with Xhaka and Sambi have to choose, do I block the passes into Lukaku or do I press on Kovacic and Jorginho who can break us down? We, we just got stretched. And I think, I, I think that's a quality thing. But I agree that I mean the setup. You have to find a way to to stop it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And what even that is. then, even then, you know, Tierney's being pulled inside to Lukaku anyway because Mari. You know, I don't. I, th- I think we've had another shocker there in saying Mari was worth every penny that we've paid for him because in the last three games he's fallen over during a goal. 
I think yeah, he's not. He's not in good form, and he's, he's really form. not doing well at the moment. Um, I think. I think another thing, and and again to, to add to that, I I think um, when Tavares came on, he was narrow as well. So I I was like I thought Tierney was helping Mari out, as you say, but when Tavares came on, he was he was narrow too. He was coming in to help Mari as well. So I'm wondering if that's instruction, and then if that's instruction. Like that's, what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> even worse. We just, it, it, it just looked like we didn't have a game plan half the time, other than the usual kind of down the left and cross it to nobody bollocks. Um, it, and and kind of quality wise, you know, I, I, we we had this conversation a little bit over text. Everyone is acting like um, the team that we put out versus the team that they put out is like we have the quality of Burnley and they have the quality of like. The 2004-2005, yeah, like prime, like Chelsea. And it's just not true. You know, like they are, they are, their squad is better than ours. Also, their squad is kind of deeper than ours when it comes to their quality. But their squad is not miles ahead of ours. They've signed one player since we both had a manager in charge where people were saying, oh yeah, we're miles clear. Look at the rebuild Chelsea have to go through. I think there is a clear chasm in inability of coaching um, or in quality of coaching between yeah. the two sides. Yeah. And I think that's where people are mistaking that for quality of squad because they've added one player, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, probably their best player and he's a, an absolute superstar, but they've revolutionized the way they've played because they've got someone in charge to revolutionize the way they've played. Yeah. And then they've given him the final piece of the puzzle. No, you know? I, 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 I do agree. I, 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 we, we had this conversation. Yeah. I mean, you know, is this, is this Chelsea side miles and miles better than this Arsenal side? Probably at its full strength. And we have to caveat with that. You know, we ultimately, we can't ignore the fact that we didn't have Ben White, we didn't have Martin Erdegaard, we didn't have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, we didn't have Lacazette, um, and we didn't have Thomas Partey, who and Gabriel, who potentially you could argue that all of those are starting, you know, certainly five out of six would start. But even then, if you if you had all of those players in, I'm not sure. I have sure. no faith. I have no well, faith that the result or the performance is any different. Well, I... I think the performance might be different. I'm not sure the ben result White be different. Ben White got bullied by Ivan Tony at points. So yeah. that's not going to change drastically. I th- I have to say, I think a lot of centre-backs will get bullied by Ivan Tony. I, I, oh yeah, I'm not, I think that's quite hyperbolic of me, but it, it, you know, you're, you're going from Ivan Tony to the one of the most complete centre-forwards in the world in Lukaku. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And my word, my word of the day is Lukaku. Yeah. And the reason the reason for that is uh, that was a really lucky segue. <laughs> the my reason for that is it sums up everything that Arsenal isn't at the moment. Mm-hmm. He was strong, he was quick, he was he was he had he seemed motivated, he was the difference. He he's also the difference financially. When you can go out and spend ninety million pounds on a twenty-eight-year-old striker to add to your to the piece of the puzzle, you know, and as you say, be the final piece of that Tuchel puzzle or or, or whatever he ends up being. I, I don't think he'd be the final piece. I think he's just a fantastic striker and and would look good in every team. But I mean, it's been highlighted on Sky, so I'm I'm sure people have seen you know what he's added to his game. We don't need to go into that sort of side of things, but you know. I'm looking at Pablo Mari and I'm looking at how he was dealing with, with Lukaku. And you know, yeah, of course he was too close and he needed to step off and he did that. But Lukaku is that difference. He sums up the difference between these two teams. He's, even in his post-match, you can see he is out. He is not fucking around. He's there to win. He doesn't care. It, it, it's, a, it's a killer and a winning mentality that that we lack. And I, I and, and, and sorry to basically just say, you know, versions of the same thing every week but ultimately that to me i see the same issue when we aren't winning the duels when we aren't um up for the battle when we aren't up for the fight even as and as i say sorry a hundred times you can be the fittest you can be the strongest you can be the you can be the most athletic most dynamic that that is free you can work on that that is something you can strive for at least and obviously you know players have body types like Lukaku's just you know he's the guy is is very very well built and he's a very physical character but 
we can try and match that up and we can try and be physical and we're just not. And and that's the frustration because you see someone like Lukaku coming in on top of Champions League winners and you go, well, this is even further. And the guy, he just has a fantastic mentality. And, you know, I watch his mm-hmm. post-match interview and his game exactly translates into how he is as a person. You know, yeah. what he says and what he does on the pitch match up perfectly. It, it's like the know, opposite of Grano Jacker. Exactly. And, you know, we're, we're all bark, no bite. And, and, and Lukaku is bark and bite. And that's the difference. That's, that's really the difference between the two. I do think it's a bit, and I said this to you yesterday, hyperbolic to only describe Chelsea as the champions of Europe. Because well, there is are. probably about, no, but as in, if you, no one expected them to win the Champions League. People expected them to get knocked out by Porto or by Madrid or whoever else they went up against. They've probably got the 10th best squad in, in, in the world right now. They're not the best. Being the best team in Europe does not mean that you're the Champions League winner. Just like not being the champ, like being the Champions League winner doesn't mean you're the best team in Europe. I think that there's a lot of people going and excusing, oh, you know, this is the Champions League winners. Like Greece won Euro 2004. No, I, I, yeah, I get your point. I get your point. Knockout football means absolutely fucking nothing. The Premier League is harder to win the ch- than the Champions League. It's just less prestigious. I I don't agree. It means nothing. I think it what it does is it is it adds. It's a, okay. Certain it's, level it's a of, very it's it's a very different st- it's a very different type of competition. You know, we've had Wigan beat Man City in a FA Cup final or a, a League Cup final. For Christ's sake, like it's not. We've we've seen upsets before, but kind of moving on from from that, where is the Granit Xhaka of the Euros? Why have we given him this extended contract? Granit Xhaka with two final third entries yesterday with his passes. Two final third entries. And and when the thing that Granit Xhaka offers, basically, to me, is that fizzed ball out to Kieran Tierney. Pretty much, you know, that's that's what I see. And, you know, sometimes dropping in, although yesterday he was he was not dropping in for, for Mari and for, for Tierney when, when they were getting dragged inside by Lukaku. Neither was Saka. Saka was wasn't a, tracking. Yeah, it was a poor performance. Unfit though, so... Yeah, yeah, but, but but you know, again, Xhaka, and I was thinking about this last night. Xhaka is someone who I think is a kind of product of an inexperienced team and an inexperienced, maybe not, maybe product's the wrong word. He's a beneficiary of an inexperienced team and an inexperienced, inexperienced coach. I think if Antonio Conte is in there and we have experienced players around him, Granit Xhaka does not play. He does not play because he does not offer enough. And, and the thing is, Xhaka is, he's available, you can play in the ball, and he will fizz it out to Tierney and he will play that ball consistently. But overall, he just does not offer enough. And when Thomas Partey comes back, if Granit Xhaka is in the team, because basically Mikel Arteta needs leadership, leadership on the pitch, needs, you know, has a very young and inexperienced team and needs 28, 29 year old experienced professionals to be on the pitch. He's a lucky guy because I, I, I don't, I struggle with, with what Xhaka brings other than this kind of soft factory. Well, he, you know, he's inexperienced, but who cares? Who cares? It's, it's, you can, you um, can, and, and it's that same thing of you can grow lead, leaders grow into positions. You see Sambi Lakonga, you know, and, and we should highlight his performance. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Allowing the ball to roll across his body, wriggling out of spaces, playing lovely crossfield balls, all types of passes. Positionally really good, I thought. And that's leadership. That's going out and that's putting in a performance. Xhaka clumsy challenges the same ball out to Tierney every single time. And when you're not doing basically the only thing, getting that ball down that channel, it's going kind of going sideways or, or as, as we see, you know, not, not entering the final third enough. I go, what, 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 what do you offer? I, I just don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. I, if he plays for any other kind of big six side, he's been sold two years ago. He doesn't, and I'm, I'm completely reverting on my previous opinion of saying, oh, we shouldn't cut our noses off despite our face. There has to come a point where we move on. Well, and for a summer that was deemed to be the biggest rebuild in our history, we haven't moved on from some of the prime suspects in this team. Yeah, I, I do. I do wonder long term whether Lukonga uh, or Sambi or, or, or Party will be the the. The, the double pivot in the midfield. I don't know. Um, 
I think we we give we give Jack we give Jacker the keys to the car, and that's and that's a decision I think that comes from an experienced manager who needs players like Jacker to to get his message across on the pitch. And and when Jacker doesn't have the technical quality to to carry that out, or doesn't have the the range of ability to play different roles and work in different systems and all that sort of stuff, you you, you struggle. But how long uh, do we call McKellen an experienced manager? That's a gen- I'm, that's not be, me being like facetious. I'm well, genuinely I'm talking asking about more, that question. I'm this talking about more, in, more historically. Like his 30th, 30th, 31st month of management. You know, he's giving interviews saying, oh, maybe in two or three years time, we'll look back and see, oh, that's why that happened. That's why that happened. As if he wouldn't be lucky to be here in two or three months time at this rate. I'm talking more historically when he's been using Xhaka. You know, Xhaka has been a very important player under Mikel Arteta. I think that's that's undeniable. He's been playing a lot. He's been a fixture of that team. And when basically when Xhaka's been available, he has played pretty much. And I think that's a, a he's a beneficiary of someone who Arteta probably likes in the dressing room and thinks if I take this guy out, he's an ex- and we talked about it before, he's an exemplary professional, all these sorts of things. But then you get performances like yesterday, and you get someone who is who is. There's exemplary professionals in League Two. It doesn't fucking exactly. matter. Exactly, and that's my point. Exactly, and the, and the problem yeah. is, is you know you have that balancing act, which we discussed before. Of well, Jack is a great professional. What message does it send? You know, we need those players on the pitch compared with well, actually, he's not delivering what we need. And in days like this, you you question what those things are. Let, let's get to the game. So um, mm-hmm. we had a lot of players out, as, as I mentioned before, Ben White. Uh, obviously, Martin Odegaard couldn't play. Uh, Lacazette, Aubameyang, uh, Gabriel, Party. It did have an impact. Uh, the lineup was um, inexperienced. I found a quote from Mikel Arteta, which I do think is fascinating, and, and it sort of challenges something you said on Sky Sports, which is we put out there a team that will probably be unprecedented in the history of this football club, and on Sky Sports, who was basically. Um, allude, and I don't want to go down a meta Mikel conversation. I just think it's an interesting thing to kind of prelude the the discussion about the game. Um, he did say, you know, the team will be different one hundred percent. Um, I, I do find that an, a strange way to sort of focus on things. It feels a little bit. Um, he's been very unlucky with 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 COVID with with injury situations. Absolutely. But I do think one of the great things and one of the things that I loved about Mikel and something he still, you know, he still does is he's very, he does take responsibility and he does go like, actually, right, you know, this is, these, you know, this is my issue. Let's not make excuses. And I did feel the kind of the um, absence of those players was kind of relied upon. And it was sort of an attitude of, I got a sort of an attitude of, well, what do you expect me to do? Now, Mm. I don't want to go down the kind of Mikel road, but I do think, well, well, I do think it has an impact. Surely, you know, having those players out, like it, it has. But apparently, to. we've just spent 140 million to improve our depth, Alex. Yes, but any any team, any team. No, I know. I'm in, being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but, any any team know. in the world. If you miss of your course. spine, if Chelsea didn't have, let's but say, that's not why we lost today. No, no, no. I'm not, not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it is. I'm just making the, the individual point that if Chelsea didn't have. Rudiger, Christensen, Jorginho, um, Lukaku, and Havertz—they would struggle. They would absolutely struggle. Of course, of course. I'm not saying we would have won, but I do think it's important as we as we head but, to the game. But not even that we would have won. That's not the reason that we lost today. Do you, not. Uh, do you think? Reason... Do you think that I'm saying that? No, but what I'm saying is, is like. We can we can say, oh, you know, any team in the world would feel a drop off with this many players out. One hundred percent true, but that doesn't matter in the same way if the reason that we lost is because we were set up so wrong and our left centre back dropped a stinker. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Agree. You know, it's 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 two different arguments. You're saying, oh. We lost because of the players that we we had on the pitch because we didn't have our first eleven. But then when you no, look no, no, at I'm it, I'm not saying go, that. I'm not saying that. They, they, they can both they can both be true. I think you know both both things are true. There's two things. Are we true would have lost this game even with those five or six players in. If we if we'd set up the same way, we would have still lost. And I, I've said that, and I and I, and I do agree. Yeah. I just think it's it's a bigger factor than perhaps it's being given credit for. Is what I'd say for me personally. I think I think you know. It's a it's a huge factor and and should be should be accounted for, um, yeah. As as I've said, I think structurally 
we were getting stretched all over the pitch. We started off nice and compact and then slowly, slowly Chelsea just basically playing the ball around, stretched us out. I think a slight lack of lack of experience with Sambi kind of getting, I do think he, he got better positionally, but I do think in the first sort of 10 minutes he was getting pulled out of position. Um, I thought, yeah, Tini was tucking in to help Mari, allowing Reese James loads of space. I thought Jorginho and Kovacic had way too much time on the ball to pick passes. Um and I also felt as though when we were, when we did regain possession and, you know, players like Smith Rowe did really, really well in certain positions, we did have moments of sort of bursting forward. I thought Pepe had a couple of nice moments where he got got past a couple of players. We don't get up the pitch quick enough. And it's something that really, really frustrates me. There's a mo- moment in the second half, I think, with Bernd Leno, where he picks oh, up the ball. Now, now, <laughs> now. There's a whole other conversation around. I think Leno does a lot of performative shouting to cover up issues. But I do agree with him at that issue where he got very frustrated that people weren't moving up the pitch. And you see Arteta on the sidelines constantly saying, move up, move up, move up. And I don't know... I don't know why we don't do it. We don't because they have no faith in his ability to find them. They have no confidence in him. And there's a re- like case in point of your performative shouting bollocks. Leno spills the ball and then has to claim it at like Havertz's feet and then shouts at his defence. Yeah, I, he's he's bad don't, for that. He's don't for that. don't spill the ball, you nonce. <laughs> um, that sake. but the big issue when it comes to not being it it's not it's not. If you if you know that your keeper with the ball to feet is not going to find you pushing up the pitch, no matter how many times Fraudiola on the sidelines shouts at you to move up the pitch, you're not going to do it. You're going to be hesitant because you have no belief that you are going to be able to be found. And case in point of this is Leno makes a specul what I would definitely call a specul- speculative punt up, and it almost gets Martinelli in at one point. If you watch that back, Saka is open, right, asking for the ball to feet so he can turn and run. It's the perfect pass. It's the pass that Edison plays, Allison plays. Any competent ball playing keeper. Plays. I think that's the issue. <laughs> that is the issue. Is that he's not, and it it, it again it it hurts us half the saves he makes because he's in the wrong position half the time i'll give him credit for the lukaku one that is a sensational piece of goalkeeping but another kind of telling tale of the two teams is mendy you know that pass from lukonga in the second half to get abamyang pretty much in mm. though slightly overhit on his weaker foot is brilliant yeah. And Mendy reads it like a fucking book and is out to it before Aubameyang can get there because yeah. he's read that that is going to happen. Yeah. And we just don't have that. We, we I do agree. We don't. I do agree. And I think that is part of the reason we don't, we don't push up. I just, there is another part of me that when we're on the counter and maybe it's because I'm not at the game and I can't see it, but I, I, I don't feel a surge. I don't feel a rush. I don't feel a sort of, now's our moment sort of thing which really frustrates me but this is we're not set up to counter and i'm not i'm not saying we i'm not saying we're set up to counter and we don't need to become a necessarily counter-attacking team especially against a team like chelsea but when i don't feel any kind of movement forward in an opportunity you know smith rose basically you know check back inside with acres of space and he's driving in field and i don't see tierney making a uh, you know a gut busting run i don't see you know sambi stepping out from midfield i don't see you know uh, cedric overlapping on the on that right hand side or you know diagonal runs or martinelli whatever like i see a lot of static players and maybe it's just my eye but i i, I find that really frustrating because there's got to be some dynamism moving forward. We've got to have some, and maybe it's belief. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to put it down all to soft factors, because maybe I, it's confidence. Th- um, maybe, but I don't. I don't. I think putting it down to soft factors is too easy. It's too. It's too. It's too simple because I see it in every game. I don't. I don't see any kind of when we when we win the ball back. I don't feel a push forward. Is all I can say. I feel a. I feel one player driving. Often Smith Rowe, sometimes Saka, um, and. And we either have to play it back, play it sideways. Chelsea get back into shape, and we're trying to break down a low block. We lose the ball, and we're and we're you know and we're back back at square one. It, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating, and especially when 
you know, someone like, you know, Gavin Martinelli was, was, was chasing down balls. And I thought he, you know, in a similar kind of Enketia sort of role, made a couple of errors happen from Mendy and a couple of errors happen from a couple of their centre-backs. But at some point when he's not being supported by players pushing up the pitch, and again, it could be confidence, could be anything, that runs out and they're allowed time on the ball. And that's when they started to stretch us. And that's when they started to 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 play around us. And we, we, we you know, to, to, to borrow a lot of what people have been saying online, and I do think it's true, it was, it was men versus boys. Um, and yeah, I, I just thought, I thought structurally we we looked naive and we looked we looked like a team without a plan and something i wrote down sort of mid game is and not to set you off again but and um, this is a genuine question what is arteta's football ideology what is it i don't know i don't know i look at thomas tuchel right and i look i look at that chelsea team and i see you know Armchair fan, right? I see Reese James high and wide. I see Alonso high and wide. I see Jorginho and Kovacic sitting deep, picking passes, Havertz dropping. You could fire it into Lukaku. There's, you know, Nick's around the corner. There's people trying to get in the box. There's that cutback. You saw the Reese James thing happen twice and, you know, nearly happened three or four times. You see a, a pattern, an identity starting to form. Ignore Arsenal's frailties. You, you know, you see something from that that side. Unless we rely on individual brilliance, I don't see a kind of pattern. I don't see is it, are we, you know, Leno knocking balls long to Pepe, trying to win them, trying to win those second balls, maybe a little bit. But but apart from that, I don't see an ideology and I don't see a I don't see how we get our players closer together. I don't see how I don't see what Martinelli was expected to do. Was he was he meant to be, you know, chasing onto long balls? Was he meant to be coming short? I think he was just basically told to press and be a pressing agent. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm struggling because I don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't. And that's bad for a manager that's been in charge for as long as Mikel has. That is bad. You know, that's that's the kind of real telltale sign that, you know, I think, it, I don't know who it was, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. Things aren't getting worse. They're just the same. We're not moving forward. No matter what we add no matter what we're doing, we are currently not moving forward. We're not progressing. And again, that's very hyperbolic speak after two games in the league with six players out or whatever. But again, I still have no confidence we would have won that game if we had those six players and kind of four more at this point. But there is no identity and I think we're probably one of the only teams in the league that doesn't have an identity Nuno is not Nuno Espirito Santo is not a great manager he's okay he's gone into Spurs gotten them performing against City you know chasing down balls pressing high defending compactly dying for every ball and they've beaten the champions of England which is a much more telling sign of a quality of team is winning the league They've then gone and lost to Pacos de Ferreira, which is the most classic Tottenham thing to do. So I've just got so to laugh spursy. at them for that. So spursy. But then they've done, they've, they've again, they've performed against a resolutely defended defence in resolute defence in uh, Wolves. And they've, they've you know, they've taken the boys 1-0. I didn't see um, whether the penalty was a penalty uh, for them. But, you know, and they've beaten the champions of this country with Oliver Skip in midfield. <laughs> you know, because there is identity. Burnley have an identity. Every, we, we haven't, and I think that is the issue. I think, I don't, again, very hyperbolic speech from me and absolute conjecture. Warning, conjecture I don't know ahead. if he's starting to lose the dressing room because... What player is running and dying for him at this point, other than a player that's trying to prove themselves? You know, none of the, you know, Hoiberg went to shoo him into his own pet box during the friendly. And the, and that's how, you know, what Tottenham would consider our archest rivals. I don't really care about Tottenham because if I'm honest, they've, they're still irrelevant. 
And the only player that ran over to do anything, and I see this as a pattern constantly, whenever something happens, the Saka penalty shout, dodgy challenges on people, the Rob Holding incident where he gets booked for not touching Marcus Alonso. The only player that runs over and gives a little bit of speech, and it's barely anything, is Xhaka. It's like uh, some polite kid walks over to you and is like, oh, can you not do that, please? And I'm like, (laughs) And I think Gwen, if Gwen Doozy actually had footballing ability, amazing. Well, I mean, he does. But if we had a system that suited Gwen Doozy's footballing ability, amazing. Because no one in that team at the moment is willing to die for the team. And I'm starting to wonder whether that's because of the players or whether that's because of the manager. And the more that we, this goes on, we've, had, we've said this to each other before, it starts to shift. Well, we're just seeing constantly the same patterns, the same people and the same play. It is now no longer a point where we can realistically argue that it's because Mikel hasn't had enough time to instill his philosophy upon no, he, his players he has, and his team. He has, he has. He's bought 13 players for over £200 million. He you know, has been there for 30 months. Some of those players have been there for that entire time. He has had enough time to get that team playing in the way that he wants to have them playing. It's just the way that he wants to have them playing is fucking terrible football. Well, I'm sure he doesn't want them to play terrible football. Well, they certainly are. Um, Arsenal had 0.6 XG to Chelsea's 3.1. We got spanked. We got spanked at home. That is embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, let's look at the goals Uh, I I thought the first one was absolutely classic (laughs) absolutely classic uh, sort of example of what we were just talking about Uh, Lukaku just absolutely shrugs him off plays it to Kovacic plays it out to Rhys James who's in acres of space as we say a Tierney getting pulled over Xhaka not dropping in Um, Cedric playing Pablo Mari decides to fall over in the box again Cedric playing them onside and and it's an easy tap in and it it is a little break from, from the seriousness that was fucking hilarious. I mean, of course it was going to be Lukaku. Of course it was going to be was Lukaku his first touch. with a tap first touch in, in a Chelsea show. at the Emirates. Like you just, you're just like, of course. Of I was course. watching some content as well about being back at the Emirates and to kind of deviate from the game for 30 seconds. There's one point I would really love to make about, you know, there's a lot of people saying that we can't, say Cronky out or whatever anymore because you know they're spending the money it's it's where the money's being spent the issue we haven't had a, a game in the Emirates for 533 days what did we get when we got there what did the fans get when they got there because from all reports it's fucking nothing there was no free program there was no free flags there, there was nothing Tottenham all right who are in the most debt out of Premier League clubs. They're in a billion pounds worth of debt or whatever because of the stadium and player sales and whatever, player transfer fees, gave every fan a free flag. I, I, it's little st- it's little stuff like that <laughs> that gets... A, no, 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 but I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying it's little stuff like that that gets fans on your side, that buys you favour. It seems very small, but it's a small gesture that our fans see other clubs making that our club isn't. We see other clubs renovating their stadiums, making sure it looks spick and span, and then we look at our legends wallpaper on the front of our stadium that's faded because of the amount of time that's been there. The paint is peeling off of the cannon. You know... Metaphorically. That... And bloody literally, you know, and that is a that is a big amount of kind of what this club has become under the Cronkies is that they're not doing anything. It's all it's all wet work. It's all just stuff. It's all smoke and mirrors. Like, look, we're spending money. Look, they're not doing anything. You know, we, we've we've spoken about oh, we, we were going to have a massive summer of investment, right? We've spent £125 million. We spend about £75 million per summer anyway. So the investment after that, you're looking at, what, another £55 million. We sold Joe Willock for £25 million. 
the most the Cronkies have invested is 30 million quid. It's nowhere near enough to get, get us where we need to be. We, we, ha- we have, at risk of setting you off, we have spent the most money out of any club in the world. But here's the issue with that, Alex. We have spent the most money out of every club in the world because other clubs have spent 300 million in a transfer window two seasons ago. Two, that's yeah, very, there's a context. That's very yeah. misleading because most of the clubs that you're putting us against are Man City, who are adding the jewels in the crown, like Jack Grealish or Harry Kane to their team. Chelsea, who are... Chelsea have nearly matched our entire spending on one player to add a jewel in their crown. The same with lots and lots of other teams. You can't compare what's going on in Italy or what's going on in Spain or France. We've spent more than La Liga has. Yeah. Arsenal Football Club have spent more than La Liga has. And that is because those countries or those leagues are currently in a bit of financial ruin. So it's not a fair comparison. But if you look at the clubs that we're saying about who are spending a lot of money around us, like the cities, like the Chelsea's, like United, they are adding the final jewels to their crown after years of big input. You know, City, over the five years that Pep has been there, have, have now, I think, spent a billion pounds or a billion euros. It's one of the two. And you want to lord at us for spending the most in this country, and it's 125 million pounds. It's not. It's not comparable because we are we are at the stage where we need to be pumping in 250 million pounds to get us moving to refresh these, this squad. We need to be putting in that money so we can tell Granite Jacker to go fuck himself. So we can tell lots of players in this squad to go fuck themselves, and we can move forward. But we're not doing that. It is, again, the bare minimum of what I would call investment. Because once you take away the money that we've made and the money that we've regularly spent, it's nothing. It's £30 million, which whilst has bought us Erdegaard, maybe, who is a Where are you getting £30 million from? I don't understand. So we regularly spend £75 million every summer from the money that we make. It's about £75 million. If you go back historically through the money that we've spent in... Uh, in previous transfer windows, it's about 75 million pounds. When we talk about heavy investment, we talk about a change in, in, in spending patterns. And bearing in mind, when you, when you look at the 75 million pounds, that's considering players like Nicola Pepe as a 72 million pound signing, not a accountants FC deal that we've struck. Um, we, so that's 70, if, if you look at the 75 million pounds versus the 125 we've spent. So if we regularly spend 75 million pounds, right? That's what we would spend every season anyway. You take that off the 125 million we've spent this summer. You're left with, we've spent 55 million on top of what we would regularly spend. 25 million of that has come from Willock. Well, I, 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 I what, the point I'm trying to make is you have to look around at the market and our competitors and what's going on. But this, is, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. And ultimately, we have spent the most, and I know you, and I and I agree, it's not enough. But we we have spent the most amount of money out of out of everyone in the league and out of everyone in the world. So so it's not enough. But we also have to look around at the competitors and what's going on and where we are and where we're where we're headed. And there's not a lot of investment going on at the moment because there's not a lot of money going around and there's not a lot of players moving. It's it's the market. It's not enough. But it, but we also have to take it into context. And for me, the more interesting, the the part that I think is more relevant is less the sort of the 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 cash, but more looking at wh- where are we. The Cronkies are not going to spend. 300 million in a the summer they're just not going to and then and then let's have the conversation around let's get the cronkies out because we need that kind of investment absolutely but right now they 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 have spent a certain amount of money i think it's 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 a good amount of investment we have to look at the market etc cetera, etc cetera, but whatever the more interesting part for me is going well where have we spent it what have we spent it on and do we have the patience as fans to go well actually what you know this this project's going to take time there's going to be a lot there's going to be a long time now where we've got you know Erdegaard is 22 Saku's 19 Smithrow's 20 these you know Gabriel 22 Ben White 23 Ramsdale 23 these are going to be the bedrocks Sambi 21 these are going to be the bedrocks of our team for a long time and they're not going to be hitting their peaks for three four years so 
you know do we have the patience for that 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 oh. that is that is a that is the you know we've invested a certain amount of money and we can we can be upset at the fact that we're not going to spend that kind of money which is which is definitely a conversation but we're just not so therefore in my opinion the strategy of buying young and hopefully allowing the squad value to to build is the best thing and then the question is do we have the patience to deal with that and that's that's the real question for me at the moment with Arsenal fans do we have the patience to deal with waiting for this thing to come off, essentially? Because I don't think we do. I really don't think we no, do. No, but as in, I, I, look, Arsenal, fra- Arsenal fans, I think at this point, understand that this is a long-term project. I'm not saying that we need to be buying a William or a 28-year-old to try and push us into the top four, because I don't think that that is, is possible. We are very far away from that, but we're not seeing progression on the pitch. And then we're also not seeing the levels of heavy investment off of the pitch that would help us get that progression on it. This is the easiest market to buy players we have seen in our lifetimes. Players are at cut price, the cheapest they've ever been. You know, leagues are in such financial ruin that you're able to get players the quality of Hussein Awa apparently for something like £25 million or euros when we were being quoted 50 to 60 last summer. When you say look at the market, it's important to define what you mean. Because when you say that to me, I go, well, the market is the best it's ever been to take advantage of. It's, it's also the best a, time. We've lost 100 million been. from COVID. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's a, we've lost a lot of money from COVID and stuff. And and if you look so at... So has every club. So exactly. has every single club. So you have to club, look at the market. But we are in the most financially solvent league. And we have an owner that is worth a redonkulous amount of money. It's a it's a drop in the ocean. Uh, the money that he's that we that we've lost as a club versus Stan Kroenke's net worth. It's a drop in the ocean. And I know you don't like talking about how much big Stan's worth because it. I don't know if it just sets something off in your brain that just displeases you. Well, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it. It's directly correlated with how much he's going to invest in Arsenal. I don't think. I don't no, think the two things are relevant. But, are, they're mutually that, exclusive. That, no, of course not. Of course not. But it's important to note when somebody is worth a lot of money and is not investing a lot of money into the thing that you care about. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and, and I think there is, you know, 100% from an outsider's perspective, you can go, well, he's worth this amount of money. Why isn't he investing the level that we need to? He, ne- he never has and he never will. Um, if you want to get the owners out, I completely support you. But under this oh, model, no. under, yeah. under this model, he's not going to invest that. So then we have to look at that, that kind of, you know, where are we investing? What are we investing in? And at the moment, it seems to be that we are, you know, based on the market that we are, and we, you know, we've been promised investment and we're seeing a level of investment. I don't think it's enough yet, but I don't think we're ever going to be that club who will go and sign Romelu Lukaku. Also, right now, there'll be no point signing Lukaku. Because he, a he wouldn't come to us, and b it wouldn't fix our issues. We we need a whole no. But there's a point rebuild. signing Lautro Martinez and just getting rid of Aubameyang and Nketiah for sixty million pounds. There's a point signing Hussein Alwar or Cooper Miners or a, a Basuma or somebody else in that central midfield role, and just getting rid of Xhaka and getting rid of El Nenny. There is a. I'm not saying that by but I'm. What I'm, I think I'm not saying with what I'm saying that we should go against the, the the model we are going against when it comes to the investment. We just need to be doing it to a bigger scale if we want to seriously affect change. And that's because and that's, this and that's the water we're know, in. Oh no, of course that's the water we're in. But I'm saying that's not a good thing. No, it's not. It's not a good thing <laughs> that you know. It's not a good thing that we're we're not seeing the levels of investment that it took City to get back to the top, that it's, it's taking United to get back to the top. You know, for the last three windows or the last three seasons, Manchester United have bought a player for like 60, 70 million pounds. Maybe even four windows. Now, that one could be reckless spending. But if you look at how much those players have improved their team, that team, Maguire, Bruno, Sancho, Pogba, back when he came in, when Jose was there, you know, like they, they they kept taking that team up a level. Whatever you think of Ben White and whatever you think of the deal to sign him, it is clearly obvious to see that the defence was not our main issue last season. 
and spending such a large chunk of money if we are only going to invest a little amount on top of what we already spend in an area where we were decently secure to then let the patterns of play in the middle just collapse because there is nothing there at the moment is foolish of us. Uh, we, we should go back to the game. I, 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 I think there's a difference between strategy and priority, which we've talked about before, which is why we've signed Ben White. And I think there's also Ben White comes in as a kind of, so we, we do need that position and, and whether we should have, whether maybe the idea of a player coming in first gives us a sort of, oh, well, that's that must be our priority then. I think it's different. And strategy, you know, we've had to wait for Erdegaard. We had to wait the whole, the whole window. I think I think probably for me personally, attacking midfield should have been our absolute number one priority in this window. And it may well have been. Probably was. And it probably, and it probably was. But strategy and priority are different. And we had to strategize to wait to get our number one target for that. And then, then he came in as the fifth signing or the fourth signing, whatever it was. I don't think it necessarily means that we're prioritizing other the positions by waiting for a certain signing but it's not enough i mean i mean overall overall it's not enough it's not enough and and whatever way you cut it whether you think the cronkies are you know uh, investing as i do i think you know there is a certain level of investment it's not going to be enough and whether you think it's you know not even anywhere near enough football's moved on football's moved on you need to be spending ridiculous sums nowadays to be competitive you do and until we start doing that we won't be yeah, and we're and we're getting to the same answer that basically there's not enough investment, and you mm-hmm. can as I I caveat it with look at the market. I caveat it with that's the investment model. I caveat it with with you know just because he's worth that kind of money. But at the end of the day, we're both we're both getting into the same we're both in the same water of Arsenal don't spend enough money to be competitive, and that's it. And, and until we get the Cronkies out, it's like and they don't, and even then they and even then they don't spend their money in the right places. Well, we're trying to we're trying to fix that. Um, let's go back to the game so um, the the other goal again it was another situation with Reese James free again um, it does frustrate me when we see two of the same goal in the same game there was a a game uh, I think in the Euros where Portugal conceded the same goal four times and I think it's just it's just poor it's just poor and or poor on field um, awareness as well because once you concede a goal in a specific way especially when that's been threatened a few times I think you've got to look at yourselves and go and go. You know what? What are we doing? Um, did Saka get booed? Yeah, I think so at some point. But that's that's no surprise from a club that are historically one of the most racist in the league. So bunch of pricks, man. Um, it's a definite penalty, by the way, from Rhys James on Saka. Oh I, yeah, one hundred percent, absolute stonewall. Um, I, the one thing that annoys, annoyed me about that, though, was that it just gives excuses again because we go, oh, we should have had a penalty, yeah. we should have had this, we should have had that. Chelsea battered us and then decided that they didn't want to get out of second gear and tire themselves out. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think we had passages. I, I wouldn't agree with the battering, but I think we had passages <laughs> that, that, that were... Look at the XG. <laughs> well, no, but we what I want... were... You can look bent at over by Romelu Lukaku <laughs> and spanked over and over again. I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's somebody subjective. needs to call like a child line helpline for Pablo Mari for bullying. <laughs> it's, I mean, I I thought we had passages of play that were decent. I wouldn't agree with the battering, but I do think we were well, we were soundly beat. Um, but and I think there was play, there was places where we could have done better, but. Yeah, it doesn't matter if we lost places um, we could have done better we were horrendous Alex. no there are places there, no there, well certainly places and it's most of the match um do you, do you want to know the place where we could have done better on the field of the fucking emirates stadium yeah that's uh that's like, probably, probably the right place um yeah uh, i thought holding actually towards the end of the game was doing quite well uh, he got I, I, i'd love to have his blocks uh, statistics i think he got quite a lot of blocks in quite a few clearances in i think while mari was mm. was having an absolute howler he i mean he wasn't i'm not saying he was <laughs> changing the world but he did block quite a lot of shots there was also quite a hilarious moment with um oh, who was it with with kai havertz where havertz refused to give him the ball back and havertz tries to start a fight with him and he just like looks at him and just sort of stares him out and then says go and chat to the ref <laughs> Because the ref was like calling him over. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, uh, He's an absolute shit out. He really is. 
he lo- and, and with his new hair, he just he just he looks like he looks like a I don't know what it looks like. Um, we, we were stepping out of defence a little bit more, trying to give um less space uh to receive it between the lines. Uh, Mari worked out that you don't have to stand on Lukaku; you have to allow him a little bit of space Especially to be able to get to him when you literally can't. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just thought I, I thought the game sort of petered out. Really, it just it, they started raining. Um, Chelsea lacked a threat. Arsenal lacked a threat. We both looked like a we both looked knackered. Both both sides looked knackered. There was no kind of explosivity. And to be honest, at two nil, I mean, you don't need to just not, Chelsea not knew the ball Arsenal about. weren't going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. not the ball. Chelsea about. knew that Arsenal weren't going to seriously threaten their their goal. You know, they knew that they'd be aware and ready, and ready if any little opportunity came up. But they knew that we were going to create nothing. And that is a big telling of where we are as a club when it comes to our identity and our patterns of play. If another club are just going to go, oh, do you know what? Because 2-0 two, two is a secure lead. It's not very secure. If we got one goal in the 82nd minute, that mm. becomes very ropey. Yeah. So for a club to only be 2-0 up when we were there for the taking to and to just go, do you know what? We're just going to knock it about and we'll be ready if they want to try and do anything, but they're not going to, are they? That's a massive telling statement of Mikel Arteta's current situation as manager of our club and the, the, the tactics he's employing. On to City. <laughs> On to fucking of, City. Uh, just on that, of visiting teams, only Manchester City, with seven, have won more games in all competitions at the Emirates than Chelsea, with six. Oh, God. Right. We'll see you. After this. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. Psh, it's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Uh, please support us, please. I need please. something to give me some joy in life. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not this football club. It's certainly not. Um... While we were away, I, I was in the Cotswolds and uh, we made two signings, Martin Odegaard and Aaron Ramsdale. It's not worth cover- covering those. We uh, we know uh, we know those two things happened. But, um, I mean, we've been chasing them all summer. We got them done. It looks like some bit of good negotiating on Ramsdale, which is maybe a silver lining if you if you don't like the deal. Looks like we stepped away and then they lowered their price. Hey, Brad, listen, you got to take you got to take them when you can get them. <laughs> if if I know, but if 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 I offer you a bucket of shit for ten million quid, and then you no, piss off, and, come on. no, but as in I understand what you're saying, as in it, it's not as much as I get. You're like, oh, but it's good negotiation. If it doesn't matter if it's good negotiation, if you don't believe that the asset is quality enough, well, that's your opinion, that's, that, and that's fine. Yeah, but a lot of people think he's he could be quite good, and I actually I'm coming around be. to the idea I that actually, he might be alright. Yeah, I think I well. I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm coming round to it. I'm open to the idea. And look, he's going to pull on the, the red and white or, or the know, yellow the kit, away kit <laughs> yeah. at this point because we're so lazy. We haven't bloody got Adidas to just make us a goalkeeper's kit. We do have a... We, Brad, we do have a goalkeeper's kit. They just clash then with... Then why are using it? clash with the Chelsea one. We were at home. Yeah, but they because they're, they're, they're coming with one kit. So we, we changed. That's so That's so ridiculous. One of those days, is it, Brad? Uh, yeah, it's one of those days, mate. At Elixir Guna about Man City says, their C oh, team God. might well beat us 3-0. We are not going to score and they will absolutely damage us. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've all seen the kind of pictures of Man City's 
Squad depth, uh, God knows what's going to happen. Uh, the, um, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yes, well, maybe, they're, going to spank us, they're going to spank us 4-0 and then Pep's going to be really gracious in the post-map saying, I just, I learned so much from Mikel. And then everyone will be like, look, the greatest manager in the world says our manager's good. Trust the process. What's, it's all great. What's an acceptable result for you at, at City? Two nil. No, I'm sorry. No, an acceptable result is just not losing. It is unex. It's what's unacceptable is we have now been hoodwinked into this place where we actually think it's acceptable that this game is a write-off. But it is. Like it is. I know. There's so much better than us, mate. But it's. But it's. It shouldn't be acceptable that ah, it's a write-off. It's City. You know. It's yeah. It's it's horrendous it, that we it, go. Ah, yeah. oh, do you know what we're going to lose? So I'll accept the two 0 and move on. No, but ultimately, that's and, and, not the mentality that other clubs have that are successful. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show where we are and 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 what the what the fan base thinks of the team uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I I have absolutely no faith, and I and I wish I wish I had a sort of well, you know, if but we're going to have no Ben White. Alba's still not going to be fit unless he gets a run out on Wednesday, and, and still then he'll still be coming back. Uh, Gabriel probably won't be fit, or if he is, he'll be just coming back. Erdegaard will still be certainly you know a caveat, caveat, caveat. Ultimately, we're not going to be able to put out a team that rivals them, even if even if we were coming off a five nil victory over Liverpool with our full strength team, we've been playing for six months together. I'm still, I'm still concerned. So yeah, it's it's concerning. We we do have the West Brom game on Wednesday, which could provide some some respite. I, I hope to see a strong team. Um, I hope to see because I I do think we I'm need not a confidence hoping boost. That we win in the Carabao Cup, Alex. Well, now you just don't want us to win. That's 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 no fan. Come on. No, as in there is there is a there is a oh we might be a championship team. That's going to make me happy. No, we should be a fucking championship team. But we're uh, yeah. currently 19th in the Premier League. But I'm hoping to see... We're going to be playing in the Championship <laughs> next season at <laughs> this rate. As Matt Lucas said on Twitter, our stadium will be the envy of the Championship. Uh, the, the, or maybe it won't. I mean, if you know, if someone if someone goes down with us, if Brentford go down. Um, the uh, I, 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 What I'm saying is, I'm not going to say it's going to re, you know restore some kind of pride, but if we see a good performance, if we see a strong team... Restore some pride. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm saying it won't. I'm saying it won't restore some pride. The, I'm not saying it's going to change anything, but I do think a good performance on Wednesday might change the mood around things. And if we get to the international break with absolutely zero victories out of four uh, compared to one, and I know it's championship and everyone will just say, well, you can't even count it then, but a win's a win, mate. And we, we'll take it. We'll take them where we can. No, I'm, I'm not, Alan. A win's a win. Let's just, let's just fucking d- demote ourselves to League Two then and be happy. <laughs> Like a win's a win. Piss off. A win's a win. They're in the championship. Would you prefer us to lose? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying don't treat it the same. It's not a win's a win. If you beat City, if you beat Chelsea, if you beat Tottenham, it's if you beat any Premier League side, and then if you go, oh, I'm beating one of the top six Premier League sides, that's very different than beating a championship side. We should be able to put out a load of the kids and just roll them over. But at the moment, I have zero faith we are even going to score, let alone win this game. Well, listeners, I hope that was <laughs> therapeutic in some Largely sense. Largely depressing. Uh, listen, uh, we've got a long way. We've got a long way to come back. Still, window's still open. Um there's there's still time to do something i pray we do something in the window we get we need i do think we need some kind of superstar yeah thing we to need happen, an alexis but we need an or... alexis or a lataro or something because we need someone to lift lift this team um it's getting not gonna happen <laughs> god brad are you all right mate you, you're very very down no today. no i'm just fucking it's just the same old shit isn't it mate i'm just well, bored of it i know i know what will cheer you up We've just got time. Out for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Arsenal have one of the best top flight records in history, Brad. 
having finished below 14th only how many times? Twice. Seven. (laughs) (laughs) And your question for next week is Arsenal's UEFA coefficient of the, as of the 12th of April, 2021 is what? Says Arsenal is still a big club. (laughs) As uh, it's, uh, I'll give you a clue. It's a oomph of, you know, 12th, 17th, whatever. Uh, Arsenal's UEFA coefficient uh, is what as of the 12th of April, 2021? 44th. Not far off. Well, Brad, watching the slow demise of this club with you is uh, is always a joy. It's, yeah, it's, it's a depressing joy, my friend. Yes, yeah, somehow Arsenal have created Dis- a new... And disagreeing with you is... is Always fun. Is the only the only enjoyment I get out of this football club right now. Somehow Arsenal have created a new emotion. Depressing joy. That's a, yeah. That's an achievement. That's a real achievement. All right, Brad. Pleasure <laughs> as always. I'll see you soon. Oh god. I'll see you soon. Thanks mate. as always for listening. Keep it different, knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Peace. <laughs> I'm so depressed, mate. I'm so depressed. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.